from Luke chapter 15, 1 through 10. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I have lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Um, dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for everyone in this room, um, all the new faces, um, all the familiar faces. Um, I want to thank you for um, Chris Horn and the words that he'll be bringing us tonight. Um, use those words for your greater good. Um, let us offer acceptance and encouragement to each other as we begin this school year. Um, thank you for being a gracious God. We love you. Amen. Thank you, Charlotte. Hey, guys. It's really good to see you. This is the most overwhelming day of my year. Um, you probably already had yours, but good to see you anyway. My name is Chris Horn. I'm the campus minister here for RUF. I am a Presbyterian minister that's called to be your pastor and friend. I love RUF. Um, because I became a Christian in RUF as a student at Georgia Southern, and it's my pleasure to be with, here with you tonight. A special welcome to you if you are new, if this is your first time at RUF, you're just trying it out for the first time, or especially if you're a new first-year student. We are thrilled to have you, glad you're at Appalachian. I know you could have been a lot of places tonight, and we're really glad that you're here in RUF with us tonight, and uh, glad that I think everybody has a seat. Um, this semester we're going to be looking at parables. Um, tonight, well, uh, I, I love the welcome week um, for a lot of reasons because I get to meet you guys. But one of the, the, my favorite things to do during welcome week is to ask you guys how you like your roommate. Um, or just to say, like, what is your roommate like? You know, because you've known this person for three entire days. And um, uh, you don't really know. I mean, you might be able to tell me. I've asked, like, the majority of the people I said, where's your roommate from? And they did not know. <laughs> I'm like, you signed up to live with this person in a one-room, 12 by 12 cell. <laughs> and you don't even know where they're from. And you don't know where they went to high school. You're like, I think he likes Chapel Hill basketball. Or she bought an anime poster at the poster sale, and um, which may excite you, which may not excite you. Um, uh, and sure, you stalked them extensively on Facebook before you agreed to be their roommate. Um, but there's only so much you can find out from hours and hours of pouring over pictures from 2008. And all the while being very careful not to like 
the photo from 2008? Because then, of course, you would give yourself away as being the creeper that you are. And, um, and, uh, but what you really needed wasn't Facebook. What you really needed was someone they knew from high school that you could call and say, can you tell me some stories about this person that I'm going to be living with? Because you, it's impossible to know them. You'll spend the next year getting to know them, and you will spend the next year telling me how awful it has been getting to know them. Um, in our passage tonight, which Charlotte uh, so graciously read for us, Jesus tells us a story because he wants us to know what God is like. You need that story from a friend to know what this person's like. Jesus tells us these stories called parables. We're going to talk about that some more next week. But to tell us what God is like. And I know for a fact, some of you guys will be back. Some of you guys, this is, it's like this is your RUF one night stand. And um, because you will find a much more attractive guy or girl um, later on, maybe, and you won't come back. That's okay. I'm learning to, to cope with that. And, um, but I know that you, a lot of you guys won't be back. It's maybe the, first, the, the only time that I see you guys. And so for that reason, I wanted to talk about this story because Jesus wants you to remember tonight that God is very joyful That he's very, very happy and full of joy in his being. Um, And he demonstrates that joy to us in three ways. At the bottom in your handout, there's a little sentence there. That says, in his joy, God seeks the lost. He rescues the lost. And he celebrates the found. Um, So we'll we'll kind of walk through those three things together. Um, Jesus tells this story. Okay. You guys know what it's like. Some of you guys have had or been the controlling boyfriend or girlfriend that's like texting your significant other and saying, I saw that you were sitting with her um, or him. And so you guys are probably no strangers to people being angry at you or frustrated with you because of who you're eating with. Right now, you're just like, I wish I had someone to eat with. I sit in the middle of race dining hall and I eat my Chick-fil-A. And I, but you've made it three days without going home, and I'm very proud of you. Um, but there's a group of people that are angry at Jesus because of the people that he's eating with, okay? And the people that are mad are called Pharisees and scribes, and the people that Jesus is hanging out with and seems to be buddy-buddy with is a group of people called tax collectors and sinners. Now, some of you guys, and I love that you're here, if you're the person that's like, I have no idea what a Pharisee is. I've never heard that word. What's so bad about tax collectors? Um, And that's great. I'm glad that you're here. And I love that you're here because I was you as a sophomore. And I was like, I couldn't have told you what a Pharisee was if my life depended on it. But a lot of you guys grew up in the church or in some kind of Christian background. You've heard these stories before. So when you read this and you go, okay, the Pharisees are all ticked off because Jesus is eating with these bad people. But really... We know that the Pharisees are the real bad guys. Ha ha, it's like Scooby-Doo. You know, you get to the end and it was the butler. Um, the, you know, the Pharisees are the self-righteous, kind of like religious jerks, and they never get it right. And the tax collectors and the sinners, they're the ones that get it. They understand. They get grace. And really, the tax collectors are these arrogant and self-righteous. But nobody at the time that this story happens would have thought that in the slightest. 
Nobody is sitting there going, you know, these Pharisees are a bunch of jerks. Actually, the Pharisees are like what a lot of you guys think RUF is. Okay, some of you guys, you came back to RUF because you did RUF last year. And um, the reason you came back to RUF is because you were like, man, RUF gets it. Okay, RUF gets the Bible. There's a lot of ministries, whatever, churches. RUF gets the Bible and RUF gets the gospel. They're not like the other sort of religious groups. This is the one that they, they get it. They understand things. And that is how people thought about the Pharisees. No one's like, these guys don't get it. They're like, these guys are the ones that understand. They're living right. They're taking the Bible seriously. Um, and no religious person and everybody basically in this culture would have been religious thought anything negative about the Pharisees. So you got to think, when Jesus goes at the Pharisees and insults them, eventually everyone leaves Jesus and sides with the Pharisees in the end, if you know the end of the story, Um, because they're more trustworthy than Jesus. Now, the tax collectors and sinners, and the scribes, by the way, the Pharisees, and then the scribes are like the seminary professors. They get it, right? They know all the theology. None of you guys care about seminary professors. You never even met one. I wish I had met less. Um... (laughs) But ta- the tax collectors and the sinners are, are another story. Um, the Jewish people at this time, Israel was occupied by Rome, and they were oppressed by Rome. Okay? The Romans did what they want, they took their stuff, and they taxed them a lot. Okay? And so what these tax, these, uh, tax collectors were is they were Jewish people. Okay? So they're being oppressed. They go to work for the Roman government to collect taxes from their own people that are being oppressed. Does that make sense? And then on top of it, they charge them more because there's no accountability. They add injustice to oppression and they get more money. They become rich. Everybody hates them because they're super rich off the other people's money. This would be like um, if one of you drove a tow truck for Bill's Garage. And um, if you're new, Bill's Garage is a towing place in Boone. Just FYI. You probably could have got that from the context clues. And... um, and so imagine like a student, like one of you, one of your own is driving the Bill's garage towing truck and just creeping around waiting for that person to be 34 minutes in the 30 minute parking zone and they hook them up and they tow them out of there. Or the student runs up and they go, no, 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 it's me, it's me. And it's like, well, if you slip me 75 bucks, maybe we can just pretend None this ever happened. It's a student taking advantage of another student. No one would like that person. Uh, today, I was parked, and I had a parking ticket on my car when I got back, which concerned me because I have a parking decal that I had just spent $200 on, $204, excuse me. <laughs> and um, so I was like, God, right, you know, whatever. And then I realized that the ticket wasn't for my car. It was for somebody else's car who had walked to their car, saw that they had a ticket, and then walked to the next car and put it on my car, thinking this other dumb student will pay my parking ticket for me. Okay? Like, they'll go in, oh, I have a ticket, and they'll pay it, and everything will be good, right? Um, I threw it on the ground. Uh, um, Or to get more serious about how these people were were viewed. I'm trying to help you understand. Um, This would be like the guy who promises to smuggle the mother and young children across the border. It'll be $3,000, takes the money, and then just drops them off in the middle of the desert um, where they're, they're surely not going to live. Nobody likes 
the tax collectors there oppressing their own people to make a buck. So then you have Jesus showing up. He's supposed to be this prophet. He's supposed to he's calling himself the Messiah. And he's not only hanging out with these people, he's actually acting like what they're doing is sort of acceptable. Because he's eating with them. And cultural views, if you're eating with someone, they're your friend, you love them, you're close, you're about what they're about. And if you, if the majority of you were in the room, if you saw this happening, and I would too, you would have been, what's this dude's deal? I don't know if I can trust this guy. And so Jesus, because of that, he tells them this story. Okay? He tells them the story and he says, look, if you had a hundred sheep, I'm not, I won't ask for a show of hands. Anybody ranch sheep? Um, probably not. Uh, if you had a hundred sheep and one went missing, wouldn't you just leave all the other ones and go get it? The answer is actually no, because it's not great business management. Because um, theoretically, you would lose more than one more sheep while you were gone, but be that as it may. The Pharisees actually would never have tended sheep. They were too good for that. They thought shepherds were dirty and awful. They never would have done that. They wouldn't have have sought a sheep. They're not seeking this lost person. But Jesus goes to them and he loves them. And he tells a story because a sheep to this shepherd and a coin to this woman. Now, she has ten coins. It's like a day's wage, one coin. Losing it, I lost a $100 bill in a Burger King last year. And um, I donated $100 to Burger King. And um, I went back looking for it, and I did not find it. Um, and I had them tear the place apart. They recounted the safe for this $100 bill. Because $100, I have three kids. Um, I needed that $100. The $100 was really valuable to me. So I went looking for it. And Jesus is saying, just like this sheep is valuable to the shepherd, just like this coin is valuable to this poor woman, these people are valuable to me. They mean something to me. They're worth something. They may be scum to you. They may be oppressors to you, but they matter deeply to me. And so I'm going looking for them. I'm going seeking them. Uh, I read an article in, in, well, when I say I read an article in Vanity Fair, I mean I clicked where someone shared an article from Vanity Fair on Facebook. I wish I was cool enough to get Vanity Fair and actually read it. Um, anytime you hear me say, I read in the New York Times, what I mean is I read on someone's Facebook wall. Um, but I read this article, and maybe you read it. It's called Tender and the Dawn of the Dating Apocalypse. Okay. Uh, someone laughed. Sister's been on Tinder. Um, uh, it was hard to read. Okay, I've never done Tinder. Um, not a surprise. And um, not because I'm too good for it, because I'm too insecure for it. And um, actually, it would be really creepy for me to do Tinder. I don't do Tinder. Um, if it was just my wife, then I would swipe whichever direction is the good way. Um, and uh, so, but in, in the article, um, they're talking and they say, uh, you know, they're talking about these guys that like work on Wall Street and they're just like swiping away on Tinder and they're setting up multiple dates in the same night, okay? And they're setting up multiple dates on the same night at the same time because if they do that, they have the better chance of hooking up with the hottest girl in the group, right? And then they just wouldn't show up for the rest of the dates. They would just, they, the hottest girl that could get to respond, then they would go with. I mean, one guy was like sort of famous in his friend group because he would text 
multiple women, and he was good at securing sex just by text, which is impressive. Um, but they quoted a, a woman, and her name, uh, just because it's impressive doesn't mean it's good. Um, they quoted a woman named Erica Gordon, and she said, ladies, just um, no amening, please. Uh, you'll make the men feel awkward. Um, just like they make you feel every day of your life. Um, <laughs> Erica Gordon said, It's rare for a woman of our generation to meet a man who treats her like a priority instead of an option. Um, and uh, may, maybe you felt that way. Um, probably. I think probably everybody in this room at some point has felt, I only have worth if I'm the best possible option available. Whatever, whatever the thing is, the class, the scholarship, the guy, the girl, the frat, the sports team, I am more valuable if I'm the best available option. And contrast that with a conversation I had with a man who is a learned sort of theologian, pastor guy, and he has a daughter who's in her early 30s, and um, she's one of the more... Uh, beautiful and talented women that I've ever been around. I really have a lot of respect for her. But I heard the story that someone had asked her dad and said, you know, it's a fair question. Like, she's so amazing. How is she still single? And I'll never, ever forget his answer because I want my daughters to, to be like this. He said, she's still single because she knows her worth. Um... She knows how much she matters to Jesus, and so she doesn't chase guys. She doesn't just take anything that comes because she knows how valuable she is. And part of what I want to say tonight when we're talking about Jesus' joy is that we chase lovers, and by lovers I mean real or grades or success or money or pleasure, We chase lovers that will not love us because we think it's the best thing we can get. And we don't know how valuable we are to Jesus. Jesus seeks the lost because they matter to him and they are worth something. And the only thing that causes him to chase us is how much he loves us and the fact that we're lost. Um, So God seeks the lost but he also rescues the lost. These last two will be a little bit more brief. Um, you can always tell how much someone loves something by how much they're willing to give up to get it. Okay, this is a basic principle. This is like capitalism, I guess. Um, uh, the more someone will pay for something, the more valuable it is to them. The shepherd in this story, he goes looking for the sheep. Now, it's going to cost them a lot because... Number one, you left the other sheep, which, again, business practice. But also, I mean, this sheep could be anywhere. There's wild animals out there. There's thieves. There's people that that could potentially hurt him. The sheep could be dead. Um, And when a sheep gets lost, again, extensive Google research indicates that a sheep will just lay down. It won't, like, once the shepherd walks up, and be like, oh, there's the shepherd, let's go. It will just keep laying down because it's freaked out. You can't put a leash on it. You can't kind of scoot it. <laughs> the shepherd isn't just so awesome and caring that he picks up the sheep. This is like a 150-pound animal minimum. Okay, this is like putting some of you on someone's shoulder and just being like, I'm going to have to walk those, like, 11 miles back to the, to the village. 
Um, if I had found the sheep and I had to carry it, I probably want to make sure that I kicked the sheep um, a couple times. But Jesus says this shepherd, who is a picture of God, he walks up to this animal that he's had to sacrifice for, that he's gone searching for in the hot sun all day long, that he's walked all this time. He finds the sheep. He's going to have to pick the thing up and carry it all the way back. Yet he rejoices when he finds the sheep. He takes the sheep, he puts it on his shoulders, and he rejoices all the way back to wherever he came from. He's full of joy, and the sacrifice to him seems worth it. Because the sheep is worth it. The lost one is worth it to Jesus. And we all, all of you sacrifice for what you love. I sacrifice for what I love. Some of you guys are going to rush a frat or a sorority, and that is going to cost you something. It's going to cost you money. It's going to cost you time. It might, at points, cost you your dignity. Can't say. Um, you're going to have to pay something to get in. Some of you guys are practice for, for sports teams. Um, at the end of the semester, a lot of you guys are going to pull all-nighters because the grade is more important to you than the sleep. It's more important to you than your health. Some of you guys will lose friends to get a guy or a girl. Um, now, we might sacrifice to get things that we shouldn't get, things that are going to hurt us. But the fact that you and me sacrifice to get what we love is proof that you and me were made in God's image. Because God, it's in his nature, in his being, to sacrifice all that is in him to get the thing that he loves. And the thing that he loves is lost people. He doesn't love people that have figured it out and have kind of met them halfway. He loves lost people that he has to go looking for. And Jesus doesn't just risk danger. He doesn't just risk going out and getting hurt. He doesn't just put himself out by carrying the thing. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus was killed. He was actually murdered. Because his life, he found less valuable than saving his people. And he said, if dying is the only way that their sin can be handled, I will die. I will take it because I can't stand the thought of losing them. He can't stand the thought of losing you. So he paid it. He sacrificed himself. And that is the gospel. That Jesus in time and space lived perfectly and he died perfectly so that you wouldn't be lost. So that you would be found. God rescues lost people And then he throws a huge party. He celebrates the found. The the shepherd, he comes back, has a huge party with his friends. The lady finds the coin, she throws a huge party. They invite people in. Have you ever thought about God celebrating something? Everyone thinks kind of God, he just kind of knows what's going to happen, so everything's just kind of like, like he's just like that flat friend you have, you know? Like they're never up or down, they're just kind of like always just kind of there and not talking unless it's really weird. Um... God celebrates. We're going to look, when we look at the prodigal son, at what it looks like for God to throw a party. God celebrates finding lost. He says there's a party in heaven over one sinner that repents. Interestingly, what did the sheep ever do to repent? The sheep just got, like, picked up. What did the coin, I mean, the the coin isn't even, like, an animate object, It's laying on the floor in the dark. And she finds it. 
Repentance to Jesus is being found. Is being found by Jesus. But God throws a huge party. So, if God's joy is to find lost people, if that's what gives him delight and happiness and fills him with joy, then your joy tonight can be being found. When we say, like, you're never so bad, you're beyond the reach of God's grace, you're never so good, that you're beyond the need of God's grace. The heart of what it means to be a believer in Jesus is to be like, I'm found. We just sang a song. It says all the fitness that Jesus requires is to feel your need of him. Not to meet him halfway, not to get it figured out, not to make great grades your first semester or get the right friend group or get the right GPA or get into the right frat or sorority or to win your intramural league. I don't think anyone's staking their eternal... Some of you guys are. Um, God, knowing the right answers, God loves lost people. So, and we'll close with this. Um, if you're here and you're skeptical, you're unsure, you're struggling to believe, and that means everybody to some varying degree, including the person standing in the front, what do you have going for you tonight, day three of class, that allows you to be a total failure and to not have it together and to be a mess and have a lot of crap that other people don't know? And still be loved and accepted and sought after. Are you able to tell people the stuff where you're like, I, I can go this far, but if I go this far, then they won't like me anymore. Are you free to do that? If you're found in Jesus, you can be free to do that. You can be free to join a community group. You can sign up with the link. You can be free to join a community group and talk about this stuff. Jesus is telling you tonight. That he loves you in your lostness. That he wants to find you. That means you can talk about it. And this is where you can be real in here together. If you feel like this is a place where you can't bring that thing, that's on us. Because that's not how Jesus is. God is inviting you tonight into his joy. To stop running, to lay down, to catch your breath, and to be found. Let's pray. Um, Jesus, we thank you. Um, Lord, we're still running. And we want desperately to be known, and we're terrified to be known. And yet you know us, and you don't recoil at us. You're not disgusted with us. Lord, there's a lot of people in here tonight that they're just feeling like they just want to go home. And um, Father, I ask that you would just meet with us, um, that you would be kind to us, Lord, that you would bless the school, Lord, and that we would know the joy of being found by you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.